0: We still do 7 NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcasting video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today.
1: it's the only way you're ever gonna learn you look back and it's all in the past i'm dwelling on the thoughts i cannot say to you if i don't say the words then maybe it's not true it feels
0: all right. good evening welcome along to nufc matters it is the three amigos the perfect way to kickstart your uh, new castle united weekend we of course have brentford At home tomorrow, which we'll be looking ahead to a little bit later But it's good evening to Steve, to Mitch and to George And uh, welcome to you guys out there watching as well Uh, George, I think you're having a few technical issues It might be worth you rebooting your computer again tonight um, Because you're uh, about 10 or 15 seconds behind us, I think, George So if you reboot, come back And uh, we'll let you back in when you are ready, George (laughs) I was right Okay, So, yeah, exactly. okay, uh, we'll bring George back. we'll bring George back in when he's uh, when he's got his technical side of things sorted out. Uh, I want to start off with a football related comment um, subject because obviously, you know people in the chat usually take us on different journeys uh, over the course of the next two hours. I just want to talk about Callum Wilson, Steve getting a new contract, an extension to his contract. He's got a, a one year extension, which from from my perspective, I think is well deserved, um certainly in current form as well. And 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 looking at it from you know the club's perspective, it gives them that little bit of breathing space because as we know, Callum is uh, is one of the elder statesmen. He? He's a blue chip player, still still capable of putting the ball in the back of the net, which is the key thing. But it gives them that little bit extra time. I think you know, obviously the. You know, we might find that Yankuba Minty is going to be a player who, who could come and take the Premier League by storm. But we know that trying to find a striker to replace Callum Wilson moving forward is going to be very difficult. So a wise move by Newcastle, I think, to give him a, a one-year extension. Didn't get mentioned in the press conference today, which I found strange. I know they'll probably announced it just after the press conference. But I thought Eddie Howe would have broken the news to the, to the mass media this afternoon, uh, this morning, sorry, but he didn't. But it, it's something I'm very pleased about because at the moment, you know you know we need all the good players uh, to 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 commit hopefully bruno will be next but what's your views on wilson getting that extension
1: i'm delighted steve absolutely delighted uh, for the f- first reason being that we only have two strikers in the club <laughs> two main strikers anyway in him and isak um and and uh, and both of them can put the ball in the back of net and callum showed towards the end of last season uh what a talent he is um he's never really let us down i know he went through that bit of a, a bad spell but i think callum's Issues tend to be uh, injury related, um, but he seems to have got over that. He's he's had a nice long run in the in the team without injury since uh, since the World Cup, which is good. Um, and I think you're right. He is a blue chip player. He's still obviously part of the England setup. Uh, came on there in the last couple of minutes up in Scotland, um, and I th- I think that he's one of those players that if you if you offloaded him to somebody else. Then you would regret it in the same way as I think we regretted losing Les Ferdinand. To be perfectly honest, um, I think it would have been uh, it would have been really really disappointing uh, to see a Callum Wilson move on and and shine somewhere else. I'm just delighted that he's that he's remaining on Tyneside, um, and it's well deserved. It's you know like he does know where the back of the net is when he gets a chance, and he showed that, and he, and he's turned into a. Into one of those players who I think got a little bit of stick towards the back end of last season. Well, towards the start of last season, when he when he wasn't scoring and people felt as though he was hanging around just for England uh, place. But no, he he came back and I mean the the goals that he scored and the run that he went on shows what a quality player he is. So I'm absolutely delighted, Steve. Delighted for him. Delighted for the club. Delighted for the fans. Um, Delighted for Eddie Howe because it's one less headache as we're moving towards a European. uh, Endeavours hopefully that can carry on way beyond December and into the new year and beyond.
0: Okay, uh, well, uh Mitch, just your thoughts on, on Callum Wilson signing that contract extension.
2: Um, only a good thing, isn't it? To secure somebody who's done so much forward, not necessarily in the best of times. Uh, and very much always, in the, you know, as he's described in the blue chip player, somebody that's very much part of the, the squad and an essential part of the squad. Um, and somebody who gets disrespected a lot, I think. Um, I saw an article on the BBC website today talking about strikers and what strikers do um, outside of scoring goals, but the most important thing is that they do score goals. Um, putting all these graphs together showing effectively how Harland's ahead of everybody else. But the the next name on that graph all along was Callum Wilson. And yet the article really doesn't mention him at all. It talks about son and it talks about um what's his name? The guy the guy villa who used to be at Brentford. You know, and, and Wilson doesn't even get a mention in the article and yet there's one name stands out on that those graphs. It's the next one along from Harland, Callum Wilson in goals per minute and you know efficiency of goals per shot on target and all that kind of thing Um, and I think he's very undervalued very underrated outside of what we know he brings and that's before you bring his personality into it I think he's a um, very much a leader in the dressing room and on the pitch as well And, and I think an essential part of taking this squad forward and I think finding the right succession plan for him is Something that should be, I think, addressed in the next window or the window after that, really. Yeah. Because uh, um, I think if you look at his goals per minute, he's one of the most efficient strikers in the Premier League. As this article proved, without actually really mentioning his name. It's ridiculous, really. Yeah. But um, it's very typical of the B.W.A. where the BBC reports everything at the minute. They don't want to give us any credit.
1: I think you're right, mm-hmm. Mitch. And I think the other thing is that you, you mentioned a key word there, his personality. Uh, anyone who listens to any to his podcast, for example, or saw that little piece in the uh, in the club documentary that focused in on him and on his personal life, I think you're sure that that he does have a great personality. And and sometimes modern day footballers that's the that's the thing that they lack. You know that they, they can score goals or they can they can put in performances. They stick them in front of a camera or, or expect them to talk, uh, and they just clam up. Callum seems to be the opposite of that. And that's good because that, that again, is, it's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of leadership. Um, it's a sign of confidence as well. Um, and if he's his confidence off the pitch as well as on the pitch, then we'll only benefit there going forward as well, won't we?
2: Absolutely. I think he's somebody who very much appreciates uh, where he's come from and where he's gone in his life journey, not just his professional journey. Um, and I think he shows that gratitude in a number of other ways and is fully prepared to give that back. And they're the, the kind of people that are priceless in the dressing room. Absolutely. I don't think he would see a young player coming through the ranks as a threat to him. I think he would probably want to, A, prove that he was still the best anyway, and B, pass on the benefit of experience and, 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 uh, and, and, and pass on tips and hints and abilities and would probably work with a young striker. If that straighter approached him and said, Can you show us how you're doing this? Can you show us how you do that? I think he as a as a defender, I think he's a horrible player to Because he's always smiling in your face and he's a little bit touchy-free. And he's a he's a touch straighter, he wants to know where you are when he's got his hands on you. Um, and I think as a defender, that, that's horrible to mark when you then add the fact he's got the finishing ability that he has and the pace. Um, and even in his time with us, he seems to have put um, he's, he's put bulk on but in a good way and he, he, he's, he's, his strength for his size is, is exceptional uh, and I think that's why he makes such an effective centre forward and I, and I think he's horrible from a defender's point of view than all but also that that personality is so important about what Eddie Howe's building at Gasserine about the dressing room and the leadership team and all of those things um, so another year I'm all for it
0: yeah, uh, Mitch is in a bar, Tom Dixon That's what the background noise is But he keeps muting himself when he goes off So that's great George, uh, I'm not sure if you're with us or not um, I can see you I'm not sure whether your delay is going to be 10, 15 Well, I seconds. am, but
1: uh, am i am out with you?
0: Yes, we can just hear you There's a slight delay It's, I can it's still it Seven or eight seconds Yeah, we can still hear you uh, You're about seven or eight seconds behind But can I, can, can I just ask you what you think about Callum Wilson signing a new contract, George?
2: Great. Absolutely great. Um, The lad's uh, got style, he's got pace. Still, for his his age,
1: he's got ambition by the look of it. Um, And uh, the other thing is, um, and I think with the younger ones, any youngster wants a hand uh, in terms of...
0: Of being a centre forward or being an attacking man to go to, I suspect. The also. Could help uh, George, the yeah, 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 George, unfortunately, it's not working. Um, I don't know what's the matter with your internet, George, but we can't, we can't hear you, unfortunately. So we're going to have to take you out. Hopefully, um, the internet will sort itself out. It always seems to happen when it's raining in the northeast, George. Unfortunately. It's a bit of a nightmare, your, your internet, when the, when the rain comes down. So maybe just give it 10 minutes, try again, and pop back on. That would be good to, uh, good to see you, George, because we do like having you on the Amigos. Uh, see what happens with it. Yeah. Unfortunate for us, but uh, there we go. All right, we've uh, covered Callum Wilson. There is another chat ongoing uh, with Barry Hogan. Um, guys, just my opinion, but I think we shouldn't have signed Barnes and spent the money on another Botman. Standard centre-back. We've got enough depth on the wings. Will this come back to haunt us, do you think, with injuries? I don't think so uh, Barry um short term long term yes I agree we need another centre half um I think Bond gives us a different option um, in in the midfield but you know it's all about opinions Barry um I, 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 it was never a priority a centre back in this in this particular window and, and the January window isn't too far away so maybe they will be looking at a centre a centre a center back or another centre forward in the January window who knows um, obviously, the, the the input of money over the last, you know, over the last few days, you know, with you know with the Adidas deal, uh, with, with that one share going for a ridiculous amount of money as well, um, you know, season ticket money getting, you know, put in TV money going in, you know, the, Newcastle will be in in a place to spend in January if needed, so maybe they might look at another centre half, maybe they might look at another um, centre forward, who knows? But what's your opinion on that, Steve? Barry's Barry's quite opinionated on this one
1: yeah I, I, I understand where exactly where Barry's coming from because you, you, you look at you suddenly look at a gap you suddenly look at, at, at a potential problem area you know if Botman's injury you had him out for a few weeks um or or drifting into a couple of months then people would immediately say hang on we've spent all that money on midfielders and so like that Barry's sort of like pushing that line I think a little bit um but at the same time, um, you mentioned there, Steve. You said you didn't think that a central defender uh, was a priority. I, I don't think there was any quality out there in the in the window for for someone that would have fitted our our little block of of talent that we're looking to to, to fill. I think that uh, I think that the I think yes. The, this phrase has been coined, hasn't it? Buying for the future, buying for a year's time, buying for—you don't buy a twenty-five-year-old for a year's time. Um, you know that's the—that's the first thing I would say. Um, I think I think we have bought bonds because we're looking at alternative, an alternative style of play. Um, I think we'll see a little bit of flexibility in formation, um, and we've always got. Dan Byrne there as a centre back cover. We've got cells, So there's two, two that can immediately come in, and we've got young Bailey as well. Um, so potentially three um central defenders there that that could be called upon. I'm not one of these who would suddenly say, Oh, you play a fullback, a centre, centre back, and that type of thing. But Dan Byrne for me was a centre half and should remain as a centre half. And uh, that's your, that's your cover, if you like that we'll see, as you suggested, Steve, in, up until January. Um, yeah, money will be spent. If there's, if there's a, a hole that need, suddenly needs to be filled, it'll be spent um, in that particular area. But uh, it's um, it's one of those things, isn't it? You, you spend the money, then you're guaranteed to get an injury somewhere else. If we'd spent it on a centre-back, would have been turning around going damn, we should have bought a left winger, you know. Um, we've lost, you know, we've lost a centre forward and we've lost a left winger, so we should have bought a left winger as cover because we've been shuffling players around and that's this type of thing. That's what, we'll, we'll make fame, Barry, that in, in three weeks or four weeks' time, you're actually turning that round on its head and we're looking at, you know, we should have bought a striker, we should, we should have bought a right back, we should have bought this, we should have bought that. But, you know, you're right, it's all about opinions, but, uh Let's just hope that it doesn't come back and bite us on the backside.
0: Okay, Mitch, your thoughts on, on the you know the centre back argument. Should we have signed a centre back in the uh, in the summer window?
2: Are we looking at the situation did you agree with a degree of hindsight of what happens what's happened over the first few games? And hindsight makes you genius, doesn't it? Um are we looking at the situation where I think it's fair to say um, I wasn't impressed. With Byrne moving in centre back against Liverpool, and I don't think he covered himself in glory against Bright Um, But if you'd said to me at the start of the season, we've got Sherbottom, Byrne, the cells, and cover centre back, I would have said that's the most comfortable I felt I would really been with centre back for a long time, and we didn't need any more cover yet. Then that's the, the thing, yet. Yes, down the line. The younger um, develop an option to come into that mix on the right hand side, potentially with Botman's partner for the next five years. That would be certainly on my agenda, but I don't think we needed that over the summer. And with the, with what we let go, you know, particularly with Maximum going out, I think we did need another option wide. And I think Barnes has proved he can deliver already. So I, 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 I think oh, we're looking at this problem. Now we realise it's a problem five games in and we've all got a little bit of hindsight. Um, so I think I think that's that would be my take on it is I was comfortable at the start of the season and at the close of the window with the options we've had centre-back. Um, the performances over the last couple of games in particular have led me to believe that perhaps I was wrong. But you know what, it's, again, it's about opinions and we're allowed to be wrong as well. Um, but no, I, I I don't see bringing bonds in as a waste of money at all. In fact, I think as the season goes on, we'll see the value of having him in there. And I think Steve also makes a very interesting point that we have an ability with the players that we have now to play different systems, which we maybe haven't had. And maybe alternate systems is something that um, Eddie's looking at because have, have we been found out a little bit? Is that why when have not been quite so successful in the first part of this season? I guess tomorrow against Brentford we'll find out a little bit because Thomas Frank is somebody who's very much a, a, a student of the game and somebody who works on plans and set pieces and ways to... to Counteract oppositions as much as anybody, but uh, I, I, I do think we are looking at it like I say with a little bit of the benefit of hindsight.
1: Do you think, guys? That, that I mean, I think Steve Middlemas put up there about Burn not having the pace, but do you not think that? As a lot of that is down to the fact that we've been playing with Botman, who does have pace, and that gives the the fullbacks a little bit of time to sort of to to adjust to the way he's been. Now they've got to come back, and they've got to they've got to be aware that they've got someone alongside them who doesn't have the pace that Botman had, for example. So you've got your your midfield then also has to adjust, and you've got to you've got to maybe stop those runs from coming in that you would get away with. You would get away with a player coming running one on one with Botman because you knew he had the pace. But if you've got Dan Byrne playing centre-half, then you should be doing something uh, defensively to eliminate those runs in the first place before Dan Byrne then gets exposed on a one-on-one. So it's all about organisation, it's all about planning and it's all about how the how the team gels in, 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 in terms of that formation and the individuals. And everybody has a responsibility. Sometimes when you play 27, 28, 30 games um, with one particular centre-half, it has a when all of a sudden he's taken out the equation. It's going to be difficult for the central midfielders. And and let's face it, people have been criticising the central midfield. You know, Joe Linton, uh, Tonoli and, and Bruno, they were getting criticism uh, for their performances and the fact that they're not gelling. But let's take into, effect, into account that for two of those games, they had someone who then had to slot into centre-back uh, because of an injury. Uh, to a, to a teammate which then means that the whole formation is gone but they haven't practiced and they haven't trained and haven't supported each other in that way during training so it's it's how the team adjusts as much as how the individual player adjusts and that's what that's what coachings about that's what the work on the on the on the on the on the on the, on the training pitch all the way through the the midweek before you come to a game and that's what that's what they should be learning. That should be the, that's what they'll be working on. So it, I don't think it's just a case of identifying one player and saying he hasn't got the pace. Uh, so you know everything else turns to crap. Um, I think it's very much a case of you know in the round, in the hall. Uh, let's make sure that we're we're combating our inefficiencies as well as our efficiencies and we're reacting and,
2: and building a team accordingly. Yeah, and, and the thing for me is, when when you look at somebody like pace. Yes. Face can get you in trouble when you get yourself into trouble, yes. and 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 they'll excuse him with the odd mistake. Um, Burn, when I've seen Burn play, particularly with younger players, like for example when we were here we in Riyadh, um, he organised that back four. He had everybody very well organised, and, and and yet that's not what I've seen in the last couple of games. And that organisation can get. They need for pace because if you've got very good positioning you don't need the pace you're in the right place and 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 so that's that's the the circle I can't square with Dan Byrne for me in the last couple of games in particular it, it, it belies what I believed was a strength in his game and that was his organizational skills and his positional skills. Um, he, he, that's why he gets found out with their fullback because he doesn't have the case sometimes in my opinion but um, but yeah it, 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 it's a fair point overall scheme. I mean but uh, it, it, it's for me just frustrating that I think we're, we're able to be at a better level than we've shown and I think everybody knows that yeah. um, and, and, and that's been the frustration for me
0: yeah, okay. Uh International Week, um, it, it drags on, lads, doesn't it? Honestly, it's it's an absolute nightmare for us as, as football fans, uh, having to, you know, wait until especially when you've lost a game like we'll have at Brighton. And I know Eddie was feeling the same frustration as us. Um, but you know, from our perspective, um in the England perspective, Jude Bellingham certainly stole the headlines. Stephen. Stephen Kennedy's just saying how good do the lads think Jude Bellingham is? How big will he become? Do you think he'll ever play it with a tune in the future? I mean, we can all dream come with, but I mean, I said the other day on the breakfast show, um, that I do on tune radio, that that's the closest I've seen to a Gaza-esque performance for a long, long time in a high profile game. You know, the Scotland England game is a high profile game. Um, he's, he's only 20. He's got the world at his feet. Um, I, I genuinely think we've probably found the new Gaza. Steve.
1: Ooh. That's interesting you say that, Steve. Very interesting. Um, I'll just, just hang on that one for a minute. Well, I was when I watched the game, I thought this was this this was like Zidane, but not as Zidane when he was 20. A Zidane when he was 27, 28, who would take the game by the scruff of the neck, who could control the game, who could move the ball around. And then they step back and went, Christ, this lad's only 20 year old. That's when you suddenly go, hang on, the last player who did that, the last player who I thought had that confidence and that ability was, in an England shirt, a Paul Gascoigne. And so, yes, you're absolutely spot on, Steve. There's something really special. And these players come around once in a generation, don't they, you know? And, and in this case, probably once in two generations. The kid looks unbelievably good. And I mean, the fact that he was picked up and then moved on at 17-year-old for big money and he went to Dortmund. And let's face it, he ended up at 19-year-old as captain of Dortmund. Um, that's how much they thought of him. And that takes some doing. that For an Englishman to go to Germany and end up captain of the second-best team in Germany um, shows you what they thought of the guy. And then to get a transfer to Madrid for £100 million, Um, Would he play for Newcastle? I'd love to think that we might be in a position to be buying players like that. Um, but he's 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 at the best club in Europe at the moment, um, or the second best club if you if you um, if you count Man City in that. And you know, I mean, Madrid, Madrid is the you know for for most footballers that's where they want to end their career. That's where they want to have, at some point have played. Um, it's where all the the South Americans want to go. And and this kid's found a path into into Madrid. Um, and I think he'd be there for years and years and years. To be perfectly honest, it'll take it'll take either. A massive amount of homesickness, um, or a huge amount of money to to get him out of Madrid. Um, I'd love to think we we'll could get players of that quality, but now it's not Um And and I suppose the next question for in terms of internationals is what what is Gareth Southgate going to do with him? That's the that's the worry. Where is England going to go with him? Is he just going to stick him on the right? <laughs> you know, who knows. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, is, is Gareth Southgate going to have the problem? He could be gone by then. We could be into a, uh, into a new a new reign. Who knows? But uh, yeah, Bellingham, what what's your what's your thoughts on on him, Mitch?
2: Very rare that you come across a footballer who genuinely looks like he can do anything. Who genuinely looks like he could slot him into one you know, seven or eight different positions with the pitch, and he would be comfortable. Um, he has genuine football intelligence. Um, he seems to be a calm and intelligent individual. Um, and he makes very clever football decisions on the pitch. And I think that's the, the thing you're looking at with him. Um, he's a player who, at his age, genuinely has the world, he's a good Madrid could go anywhere, do anything. With I think in terms of could he clear for us, depends what happens with FFB one point. for me. If the shackles come off and we're allowed to blow some door, the Cassid United will be in the mix for any transfer, anywhere, at any time with the financial. Rate the FFP. There's no doubt about that. Even in the scenario with FFB as it stands. If we rule that the way we are, the way we are, we will be at the kind of territory in four to five years when we could be involved in any transfer that we've done. That's reality. That's how it will work. Um, yeah. you, you could argue that it comes at certain costs, but that's um, So, yes, in the future, that's the kind of transfer we could be in. Of course, we could. Um I think very right, Stephen. He has got a degree with Steve That's why I say it. he could stick him into a number of different positions on the pitch he would I don't even shirk any responsibility the pull out challenge. He would just do everything that he could for the team. And he very much comes across as that. And I think uh that's a very interesting comment Steve from with Gaza, in terms of that kind of impact, and I think that's uh, probably very telling. Um, I don't think I've looked at it that way myself, but it's, it's certainly a very interesting comparison. And uh, going forward, if it continues on that kind of trajectory, will surpass anything and everything that doesn't want. You could do anything you want. Okay. And, and, and that's a rare time a really rare time
0: okay lots of good comments coming in uh, keep them coming in for, for us uh, I just want to uh, show this uh, message now I got this a while uh, but it was probably about two or three weeks ago when I was on holiday <coughs> message uh, from Mikel and I says "Hey mate I know you're on holiday one by Jordi here. Well, it, I thought it was more appropriate on the Amigos because I've delayed it so much. He said, they're my son, Joe Rayner, on the right and his mate, who he has converted on the left from Perth, Australia, in their man cave. He watches all the games, so there are eight hours ahead, which isn't easy. Uh, his hero is Shearer. Uh, we once met at the airport years ago. So, yeah, I'm sure we did. And uh, he also says, tell Amanda to buy Perth glory. Is loads of people there follow football like crazy, uh, but at school, etc." Uh, they reckon over 300,000 Poms live in Western Australia. Thank you for your message. There he is. There, nice to see yeah. you. Thanks for sending that and the picture that you asked us to show. With uh, well, the photos is in the man cave. There we go. It looks uh, looks quite spacious. Like I'm loving that uh, retro top, by the way. And yeah. there it is, the man cave with the uh, with the, uh, the it's got the cable there in the top left. Pride of the Northeast, Newcastle United. Uh, absolutely really? fantastic. And another one which uh, I was sent was this one. Um, was from Guy Carr, he says I'm in full wind-up mode in the Dominion Republic, I had two monks and a scout question now I finishing position above you lot, it was probably unnecessary, but Guy, hope you're having a good time here, thought I'd give you a shout out uh, as well on the show now, uh, as always, we have plenty to get through on uh, the uh, three amigos, so it is time for the music that uh, you either put your fingers in your ears or you embrace The day I met, we're asking to send photographs in of you meeting somebody from Newcastle United, both past or present. Could be a player, could be a manager, could be anybody. But uh, thank you to John Norton uh, for sending in this one. Simon Jordan in the Newcastle top alongside Stuart Pearce, of course, who used to play for uh, Newcastle United. And for England, Jim Waite as well, holding up the, uh, the end there on the, uh, on the left-hand side. But thank you for sending that one in. If, if you want to get your photograph shown on the three amigos with uh, somebody from Newcastle United past our present, send them in via the usual channels and we will show them on the show. Now, on the professionals, Mitch had an opportunity to speak about a potential takeover at Everton with uh, Stu. Uh, I have seen a few social media posts uh, wanting to know what Steve Hastie's views were on uh, 777. Now, they haven't bought uh, Everton. They have uh, reached an agreement with the major shareholder. Um, One would imagine um, that it's going to take just as long to sort that takeover out as it did to take ours. We can only dream, can't we? Uh, but yes, Steve, this this is an interesting development, isn't it? I mean, it's Americans again, uh, but Americans with a little bit of a, a track record here, not a positive one. We, we discussed it in 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 a small way last weekend, but now it's becoming a reality. machiri's done the uh, done the thing that some of these egotistical owners do, and that's just make the decision, not tell anybody until the last minute, and leave all the minor shareholders uh, very unhappy. Uh, the fans scratching their heads, wondering what on earth is going on, um, uh, and then. Quickly scouring the uh, the international leagues to look at the other clubs that they 777 on to find out the three of the four teams are all engrossed in relegation battles in their relative leagues. So, um, I, this really is this Everton story it just seems to go from bad to worse. But what, what's your views on it, Steve?
1: Yes, I mean, dear me. Uh, you know what? <laughs> the first thing I would say if Machibi was selling up would be out the frying pan in fire. Um, it, American Club that only appeared on the scene in twenty sixteen, I believe. Um instead of seven, 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 if I was an Everton fan, I would be I'd be looking no further than six six six, to be perfectly honest. Um, because you just don't know what's coming over the horizon. Um it, it's uh, it's a club riddled with debt. I mean it, let's face it. You're honestly telling me that these this American group are, are immediately gonna spend and and pay up all that money on the ground, for example, which I think is sitting at something like seven hundred million pound, uh, still outstanding on the on the development of the of the new Dockland ground that they're building. Um, the you know for a fact that that it's only a matter of time before the Everton fans start screaming at the man who owned one percent, who seemed to be the devil incarnate. Bill right? is still there, um, so that's not going to keep them very happy. Um, Multi club ownership—that's uh, a big question for the Premier League to sort out when it comes to doing their uh, their whatever they want to call it now. They used to call it uh, what was it? Um, can Newcastle be owned by anybody or somebody else? Was it? That, there was some phrase like that that they came up with some some made up thing. And God knows what they're going to call it now for, for Everton. But, uh, yeah, the fit and proper test is going to be an interesting one that they've got to get by. Um, will they just drop one of the guys from the from the organisation who's the head of the organisation? Will they drop him from the paperwork because he's had a drugs conviction? Um, it was a minor one. It was only trafficking, so nothing to worry about there. Um, God knows what else will come out of the woodwork as people start to delve in. We know that you've got, you've got reporters like Matt Slater at The Athletic and, and one or two others who are you know, they are, they are geared to investigative reporting, and this is bread and butter to them. They're going to be digging a hole so deep. It's going to be bigger than that one that was on the beach in Dublin that everybody thought was a was an asteroid or something or a meteor that turned out to be a hole dug by a bloke who dropped a stone in it, which I thought was quite amusing on the internet <laughs> this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's there's all sorts of twists and turns I think it's going to come up this. I think the, the multi-club ownership, MCO as they call it, that's the one I think that's that people are going to find fascinating. And it's going to be something that's going to keep people uh, talking about for um, for quite a bit of time, I think, because one of the clubs that, that 777 own, uh, their supporters in uproar saying that they haven't invested the money that they promised. Now, if they think that that club's supporters down in Australia, I think it's Melbourne City or somebody, um, if they think that they're twisty, Christ almighty, where will the Evertonians appear on the scene. You want to see twisty, DR Me. There's real twisty down at Everton when it comes to this. I mean everything that that I, I've got a few friends who are Evertonians. A few of the lads from the food bank that, that we know, great great guys. Spent a lot of time with them, um, talking football, talking politics, um, talking Everton, talking Bill Kenray, talking about the shambolic way that the football club's been run, um, and at the same time. When it came to us, you know, the difference between the the way they have been run and we've been run over the last 14 years is chalk and cheese. You know, they've spent money after money after money, pound after pound, ruble after ruble, wherever the money came from, they spent it on people. Completely opposite us. But they've got still, still the same problems, still the same gripes. They've got the problems of a club not communicating, an owner that doesn't communicate a situation where they they, they no longer they no longer speak through the fans advisory group, the Twister fans advisory group around they, they, they made arrangements for people who were representing fans, no longer representing fans because they were saying twisty things about the club that they didn't agree with. so they were banned from it. You know, they, they've been in a situation for the last 18 months where the chairman and various directors like Graham Sharp, who was a hero at, at, at Everton, weren't even coming to the match anymore because fans were were, were arguing and threatening them and are allegedly threatening their lives and all sorts so it, it it's been a mess for an awful long time and I don't think 777 partners are going to be the panacea that that uh, that some of it and fans think there will be. I think there'll be I think there'll be headaches uh, just getting to the point where the club is is allowed to be taken over unless has done some sort of backdoor deal with the Premier League. And uh, that wouldn't surprise me, mind, because this leads us into the next part of the of the of the joining the circle, if you like. And then what happens to all that debt that they had? What happens to all that money that they spent that they weren't allowed to spend? The massive overspend and the, the the situation that the Premier League's looking at now, is that going to end up like a Chelsea where they're going to get a slap on the wrist because the new owners are going to come in and say, oh, we've spotted what actually happened. This was it. And it wasn't anything to do with us at the time. And, oh, well, there's an £8 million fine. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And it's all forgotten about. Is that the way it's going to go? Um, I suspect yes. You know, there's it, it, a... As a non-betting man, I'm not a betting man, but as a non-betting man, I would probably stick 10p in to say, you know what? That's probably that's probably what's going to happen. Get your money on it. Load your 10 pences on it, lads, um, because uh, there's definitely going to be going to be ructions. There's going to be people unhappy. They should have been relegated because of the of the financial fair play situation. They're not going to be. It's it's we're into another season now. This has been going on for three seasons are um, we going to end up with a situation where, that we had with West Ham and Sheffield United in the Tevez situation where where you know West Ham had to pay compensation to to, to, to Sheffield United because it was deemed that they'd broken the rules. Um, there's there's an awful lot that's I think gonna cause more problems for the Premier League because of this because the Premier League haven't done the work quick enough. they haven't investigated quick enough. Um, they've sat on their hands, waited and waited, and probably waiting for a takeover to happen so that they can then turn around and go. Well, it's too late now. Um, they did it with Chelsea. They they knew what was going on with Chelsea for years and years. Let's face it. Um, and now it's it's gonna it's gonna come home to roost with uh, with Everton, and they're gonna get off with it. Um, it's uh, it's a mess, and it's a mess of Everton's own making. Um, and as if we go back to who the new owners are, I think that I think there'll be stings in the tail all the way along before this one gets ratified.
0: Mm. Okay, uh, I mean, Mitch, a couple of days have passed since we did the uh, the professional show. We're back again on Sunday at six o'clock. But what's your thoughts on the, the fact that Machiri's now, you know, confirmed what we, we suspected would happen, and um, you know, how how do you see it playing out? Do you agree with Steve?
2: Yeah, I mean, Steve and I have been discussing this stuff for a couple of weeks, actually. Um, Sort of seeing this on the horizon. That's what uh, uh, I was pulling Steve's leg about during the professionals because he's on a WhatsApp group with me and Steve. I think we've chewed his ear off about seven, seven, seven over the last two weeks. Um, They are an absolute nightmare as an owner. Any group that views fans. A football club is something that is uh, asking to be monetized. Yeah. Uh, it tells you everything. That, that was the quote that absolutely scared the pants off me. Oh, well, if it was my club, I'd want them nowhere near. A good friend of mine out here who was an event fan of runs the Petite Bells bar in what's it? uh John sent me a, a little video of uh, Homer Simpson talking about Simpson and Bart saying, this is the worst day of my life. And Homer says, no, no. It's the worst day of your life so far, um, and he says, This is what I feel like. He says, It's, it's I'm just waiting for how badly this can go wrong. Um, and I think it really is, uh, on a number of fronts as well. And you, you touch on the Premier League's inability to act prudently and timely with regards to everything's FSP, you uh, know, discretion, uh, indiscretions. Um, They suddenly went from working with Everton to find a solution to referring to an independent commission, probably because they wanted to impose sanctions that were beyond what they'd ever done before, and they wanted to make sure that their own rules were more tight to do that. Now, where this goes from here, you're quite right, Steve. Does this become like Todd Bowling going, oh, well, the bad Russian man did this. Are they going to open the books and go to the Premier League? Well... The bad Iranian man with the Russian friend, um, he they, 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 they did all of this. It's nothing to do with us. Um, you're right about the stadium. I believe the stadium at the minute is currently 190 million. And rising. Um, where's that black woman being filled in from? Because that was originally Osmanov's money that had to be taken out of the accounts because of the Directly in Osmanov. Um, there's so many potential complicated uh, wheels within wheels going forward. And bear in mind, Kremlin haven't passed this yet. Um, Michaud has now just basically uh, dropped the mic and walked off. And it's a uh, great over to them. So um, if this drags on for them and he goes through, to say, the January window, will it be money for them? And
1: it's another Another American
2: owners as well. Well, another American owners and, and another American owners who've openly said, like MS, uh, MSD did and do, they take positions and give loans to clubs in distress, yep. with the one desire that that club defaults on the loan and they end up owning the club on the cheap. Yep. And that's what MSD want to do, and it's certainly what Seven 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 have done. I think they do that with Standard Liège. Um amongst of the things and, and it's quite clear to see Seville. Um who did it win in Italy? Genoa.
1: Uh I'm not sure who they won in Italy, but the own the old Melbourne city in, in Australia. Um in the club with fans working on there. Liège fans are protesting. Certain fans are per- your perennial protesters now. league protesting
2: if you look at 777's own words we know that what they want to do is move players between their own clubs and swap assets between clubs effectively to make sure that looks banks and do it all without putting their own money in everything that they'll do will be done on the cheap it'll be done on the tip and um i think their ffp just stands to get worse and worse not better unless that we could a deal with the Premier League which um frankly this is a problem that I think the Premier League will hope just disappears and so I think we'll we anything to deal with the band uh, I have zero faith in the Premier League being able to um, manage and govern anything financially within the Premier League to any degree of, of credibility or confidence because of everything else that women has gone on down the scenes with God now Will 777 breeze through the one day test? Yeah, probably. If it got relegated, we'd probably have it done even quicker. I think football league probably have the papers already signed and stamped for it. Um, they seem to let any cowboy get hold of the football club don't care. Um But when it gets to this level, it, it, it really is quite serious. But um, fans of it now would. If I was a fan of them, it would be exceptionally at It's seven 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 but anywhere near the club. The the when we come out that what they see is they want to sell again their quote. It's not just about selling beers and beers and hot dogs to fans. We want to sell them financial products, travel products and everything else from our portfolio because quote unquote, like the football clubs mean we are there. Yeah.
1: The other aspect of this, guys, as well, is that it's a slightly different multi-club ownership model uh, in structure to the one that I have at Man City, which is, is structure completely differently. Each club operating independently, um, with a, a totally different different board above it and beyond it, um, that that has to do with the the parent company, if you like. I think what you've got here is the potential for 777 and the owners as the owners to drive and coach your horses through the rule book of FIFA um in terms of being able to take players from other clubs um it's 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 going to be interesting to see how that impacts on Newcastle United because let's face it you could you could we, we are being hamstrung by some some amazing new sets of rules that have come into place um just since our takeover um that have like for example, other people deciding that Alan St Maximum worth 25 billion quid when, you know, a vast majority of us thought that would, that, that that was, we'll be an undersold there. Um, but you could be in a situation where you could, for example, with this lot start selling, selling, cl- selling players, or selling players between their own, their own own clubs um, at extorted prices just to just to alter the FFP, just to just to to move it around. We're getting stifled for on, on one situation, but this could drive a coach and horses to the rule book. Um, and could, could, it could it could be an absolute nightmare for for the for,
3: for UEFA and for FIFA.
2: Or we need to see the same level of interest in who decides what's fair value for a transfer or for a Um we need we need to see that what is being applied to is being applied to other people as well. Yeah. You've also got other levels of um, interest in multi club ownership going on around the world. And, uh, the Asian Football Conference is now being lobbied by certain parts of the, the Asian uh, Football Conference members because of PIF owning multiple clubs in Saudi. Apparently, that technically breaks the rules of the Asian Football Conference. And the yeah. Asian Football Conference are just Looking the other way because money, and 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 what the kudos of having some of those players playing, for example, the Asian Champions League, which they want to monetize more and get more global uh, interest in, and and so the Asian Football Conference is in a bit of a pain because they want to have Ronaldo playing against you know uh, Neymar in the semi-finals of the Asian Champions League. However, uh, apparently there's, there are some Asian uh, members are saying that if you go to the, the small print of the Asian Football Conference um, rules, that multi-club ownership is not allowed and we have just allowed it to happen in and So what are you going to do about it? And so th- there's all sorts of things going on in the world football you know, that My personal feeling is, because the benefit to the from all this, just will blow the shackles off of you. it will turn into a free for all and when it turns into a free for all we we'll think be one of the major benefits <laughs> <laughs> I'm just loving to
0: Bill you change the subjects so it's not about bloody tickets I love it yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Straight to the point, lads, straight to the point. (laughs) Wow. Okay, look, plenty of questions coming in, uh, but we did have to touch on that because Steve didn't get the opportunity tonight and um, it's one little run and run. The reason we talk about Everton's takeover, as we have about other takeovers, is very simple. Um, Look at what happened to our takeover. Yes, it eventually went through, but it's, as Mitch says, as he finished off nicely there, um, it's how we're going to benefit if one of these takeovers goes through in a certain way, or whoever takes it over, it, it is interesting. We do like to keep our finger on the pulse with with regards to that. I want to move on to um, uh, Nick Pope, and it was something that was asked of Eddie Howe in the press conference today. Um, you know, Nick Pope, of course, uh, you know he's, he's going to be disappointed with the last few games. And um, it was Matthew Raisbeck from BBC Radio Newcastle who, after asking about players who were injured, um, and and who was possibly going to be available for the game tomorrow? Asked um, what his thoughts were on Nick Pope. He said he's had a bit of criticism um, after the the game against Brighton, especially for the first and the second goals. Um, you know what what was his view on him? He was, he was fishing a little bit. Is, is he is he going to back his keeper? Is he going to have confidence in him? Well, of course he is. Um, Eddie's reaction was as he would have expected. He said he hadn't seen the comments. Nick's a top goalkeeper. Uh, last season he was immense for us. He was part of a very successful back four that um, you know were, kept a, a low record. Uh, you know, Well, kept the, kept the most amount of clean sheets. Um, but he says when you're a goalkeeper, you know, and the goals go in, you're judged on those goals that go in. It's as simple as that. But he backed him, which which we didn't we didn't expect anything different. Um, yeah, but just just thoughts on, on Nick Pope. I mean, it's it, you know it, it's been a tough it's been a tough start for everybody. Steve, hasn't it? It's, I think it's a bit unfair
1: for the media to pick Nick Pope out. Yeah, but, but they are going to pick him out because we've been conceding goals and he's the goalkeeper, so that's why they've done it. Um, had an injury, broke his finger, didn't he? Uh, was out. Yeah. Um, so he's had to, he's had to recover from that, which means that that's had an impact on what he's been able to do work-wise during the close season and then uh, in training after that as we're, as we're preparing for the start of the season. Um, changes in back four. Um, changes in midfield, like I said earlier, you, you make slight alterations to the, to the way you're playing, the pace that the game's being played, um, and then you know a, a couple of errors. Um, name a goalkeeper that hasn't made errors, um, and and I think you could you'd you'd have a very very short list, wouldn't you? <laughs> Let's face it. Um, no, I, I don't think there's any problem. I think the goalkeepers. Are, are, Goalkeepers are a different breed, aren't they? That's that's the phrase that's always used when it comes to goalkeepers. Um they know their own mind. They know what they know when they're playing badly. Um you very rarely get a centre half who knows he's playing badly, or a, or a centre forward because they're, they're, they, you know they don't want to be dropped. But a goalkeeper goes through this uh, agonising analysis of himself and his performance, and he has a, he has his own coach. Who, who goes through the mill with him and he has a he has a teammate there who's there to encourage him, but at the same time is desperate to take his place. It's an unusual relationship that goalkeepers have um and an unusual little setup within, the, within a squad. Um but uh as is as, as said there, his high standards that he set last season haven't been shown yet, and it's something that I'm sure he's working on but i don't for the life of me think that he's uh, places anyway and in, uh, in 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 jeopardy um far from it i think eddie how um eddie Howe bought him for a particular reason because he thinks he's a quality goalkeeper i think we're also looking at it from the from the aspect of um and again probably unfair criticism not being part of the england setup you know when a goalkeeper gets dropped from the England setup it tends to be whoa, you know all hell let loose you know he's he's obviously crap but it, it it's not necessarily that it's just you know opportunities because you'd go down for England and you wouldn't have played anyway you know that you know maybe he's got half a game if you're lucky um even if it's a friendly you know it, 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 it's it's a it's a strange strange setup that England have when it comes to goalkeepers. Always has been when it was Shelton and Clemens when they used to swap over. No matter who was better, you know, no matter who's on form, it would be one in, one out, one in, one out for a long, long period of time during the eighties and nineties. But uh, no, it's, uh, I uh I I think you stick stick with Nick Pope. You have faith in Nick Pope. He's a good goalkeeper. Um, he hasn't let us down, and uh, and he'll he will will come good, and we'll go on a run. And the back four come good, and they'll go on a run, and they'll stop conceding goals, and we'll get that reward, um, and and we'll all be happy again, Steve.
0: Ha. Nick Pope um, getting a bit of criticism, getting a bit of stick, but that's always the case with goalkeepers, Mitch.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's that weight on the position where a mistake usually needs to go. You don't have it, somebody else there to get real trouble. Um, He has set a very high standard and high bar for himself over the last year. Um, is he hitting that same level? Probably not. Did he exceed the level? Of, I thought he would get to. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, um, I'm more concerned that he seems to lack confidence with his feet. That, that seems to be something that that I see in that you know he seems to be either rushing to get the ball away from his feet um or his decision making sometimes with his feet isn't as positive as it is in other areas of his game. Um I don't know what's brought that around. I don't know what what's uh, been the instigation of that. It, it, how much of that is goes back to that sending off against Liverpool last season and how much of his confidence get a knock there. Don't know. Um I think all goalkeepers seem to like you're quite right, Steve, they're a very different breed than they go through with their very different experience as part of the squad. Um I think we all do seem to, or many do seem to dwell on things. I remember being uh, behind the goal I think it was a Blackburn one season when Hart had made Steve Hart had made a couple of ricks and he was muttering to himself all the way through in the second half. And, and it was it was doom and glue and, and all sorts. Um and I think they do things take things to heart very hard. Um but when when you've set yourself such a high bar it's always going to be difficult hitting that mark. Um I think, you know, like I say, is he an upgrade on everything else we've had over the last few years? Yes, it is, in my opinion, and has he exceeded what I thought he would do when he came in? By an absolute manner. Yeah. Um, and I think also, don't underestimate the effect hand surgery can have on people, not just in terms of yes, he's a goalkeeper; hands are very much part of the game, but uh, hand surgery is complex and super specialist. And coming back 100% from that probably takes a lot of rehab and physio, and he may still be going through some of that. And so there's a number of reasons why he might not be firing on all cylinders as such. Um, but again, when Blake started to show talking about personalities and dressing room, um, he seems to be somebody that everybody loves to be around and have a uh, and, and everybody in the dressing the seems to back him with the belt which is, you can't ask her more than that and uh, I'm quite sure um, he'll save with more points than the over the course of the season uh, I was delighted when he had his little redemption move in against Leicester that final so we we'll clinched what champions League, but that saving he on that game was, was world class it was just good, it was superb uh, and so he's got all of that in him still and, and I don't think the entire squad has showed me what we've got this season so far to the max even in the opening game against Villa we came away with the result but it wasn't 90 minutes of five in the middle so I think uh, sit tight and be patient and, and, and keep the hard with everything and, and we'll see the best in the quarter game very soon yeah, let's, let's not
1: forget as well, guys. That that Rick that he had at Liverpool cost him a cup final place, and we're talking about confidence, and we're talking about disappointment, and we're talking about the mental aptitude that the, the player has. You know, so he got he got a he got the double whammy, didn't he? You know, he got the suspension. Well, the triple whammy if you can't consider the mistake, which would have really got to him. You know, the fact that he, that the mistake was so blatant, then for to be suspended for the cup final, uh, and then to come back and and and. and and obviously he'd missed the cup final and to come back in and sort of redeem himself, if you like, later on in the season. But that was that was hard for him, I think, you know, as well. And we forget the mental aptitude, as you say. But, uh, you know, you, you you look at other goalkeepers and, and you know, over the years, some of the goalkeepers have had. Most goalkeepers have had a rick in them. You know, Pav had a rick in them. Um, no question about that. She had given towards the end. Um, she kept this in so many games but so many people would criticize him because they used to say he wasn't very good at crosses and stuff like that you mentioned hops but I mean the, the the one goalkeeper who psychologically um everything that he did during the game got them was obviously your pal budgie Burridge who let's face it there was no more crazier guy in goal than him and I suppose if we want to talk about goalkeepers and we want to you know maybe if we're gonna we're gonna analyze because we're not goalkeepers and we want to analyze that. We need to we need to hear from somebody like him for to find out exactly what's what going through a, a, a goalkeeper's mind, especially now when a goalkeeper has to use his feet all the time, um, or as regularly as he's using his hands. And I wonder how I wonder how budgie would have got on if he was using his feet as well as his hands during a game. Um, I think he used his fists a few times but, <laughs> with opposition and with his own teammates. But uh, <laughs> I wonder how he got on using his feet.
0: <laughs> okay, we're well, halfway through the show. Time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors, Skips and Bins. You can find them at skipsandbins.com or telephone 0800 25, 25 3. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Big thanks to Mr. Vicky's sources, handmade in Cumbria. You can order them from their website, mrvicky's.co.uk, or by telephoning 01768 210 102. A big thanks also to New Workwear. Uh, you can find them at newworkwear.com. They are an agile and dedicated workwear provider. Welcome back as well to United Travel. Uh, They are a UK coaches firm and they are based in uh, the Northeast. They've got twenty twenty four tours and you can contact them on 01670 632 460 or mobile 0791 666 4174. Email info at unitedgrouptravel.com. And they've got a website, which is unitedgrouptravel.com. There's no strangers on their tours, just people you haven't met yet. Big thanks to them for their sponsorship. Big thanks as well to Media Arts, and they supply all the video technology. If you want to become a member and get a cup, a pen, a membership card, and a scarf, then get your smartphone and put it over this QR code. It will take you straight to the Membership Pack. It's a £25 one-off fee. You can also go to NUFC Matters website and search Membership Pack to book today. If you want to help the channel, then subscribe to it by hitting the subscribe button. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. Don't forget, we help the food bank on this channel. If you want to do so virtually, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and make a donation today. The Alan Shearer raffle is back on. 150 tickets, £1 a ticket, win a limited edition signed Alan Shearer ball. End of the day at nufcmatters.com Okay, as always, plenty to get through on uh, the three amigos, and uh, it is time for Tweet of the Week. A good mixed bag uh, this week, and uh, this one was for you and uh, Stu, Mitch. I know I swear a lot, beer.
2: <laughs> Should be putting that to the test tonight. He's over here at the minute. Yeah, um, good this this weekend should be mental, actually. We've got people over. She was over from Bari, and we've got guys coming up from Abu Dhabi, guys coming down from where something like that. All, all, all for this weekend, for no apparent reason other than it's the weekend. And so um, everybody's assembling a group and bar for the match tomorrow, so it should be a little bit messy.
0: Excellent. Okay, Stephen Kennedy uh, sent us a few this week. Bless her, my wife is knitting me a woolly Warmer. She said, it won't be long. Yeah, very good Stephen Very good, very good And uh, I can't unsee Captain Tiny Arm And his baby sidekick Mega Hand
1: That's brilliant that
0: Excellent I love photos like that Thank you for sending that Stephen And this one Hey I was watching that I think we've all been there Yep
1: <laughs> Usually on a Saturday night After the match <laughs> Mum Please tell me I take After your side of the family
0: uh, Says the boy To his mum As his dad uh, Gets ready to make a fatal error and uh, our marriage is like the stack of cards. All we needed were two hearts and a diamond. Yeah, that was then, sweetie. Now I wish I had a club and a spade. Harsh. <laughs> all in all, it's just uh, another yeah, brick in the would. wall. Thank you, Stephen, again for that one. And uh, two dung beetles meeting a bar. One says to the other, excuse me, is this stool taken?
2: <sighs>
0: that was from Dunnell. Thank you, Dunnell. He sends a few of them in each week. Uh, the linesman drank Red Bull before the game. <laughs> that's happened a few cool. times this season, hasn't it? And uh, when you're down by the sea And an eel bites your knee That's a Oh, he, he loves getting you singing, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he, Ian? And uh, I thought Monkey Pox was a hoax Then I saw her face Now I'm a believer Thank you, Stephen Brilliant Getting you around that little
1: section soon.
0: I feel bad for parents nowadays. You have to explain the birds and the bees, the bees and the bees, the birds and the birds, the birds that used to be bees, the bees that used to be birds, the birds that look like bees, and the bees that look like birds, but still got a stinger. Very <laughs> good, that. Very, very good, that. Uh, this one was uh, from Dougie. Thanks, Dougie. He says, uh, um, what was that one? thing about a divorce. Uh, think about it. The divorce costs more. Uh, he says, that's brilliant, by the way. Yeah, because obviously, like, it's it's a big advert, and obviously, somebody who's going to get married sees that before they go in. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, the Great North Run um, um, give the Sunderland fans a chance to show off while they are the uh, the biggest supporters in the uh, in the Northeast. <laughs> and he did uh, happen to mention them in the uh, press conference today. And uh, never let an elbow ruin your photos. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> another good, another good example. Uh, a swarm of twenty thousand bees once followed a car for two days because their queen was inside the car. Xavier asking the important question. Sorry to ask, but to who counted the bees?
1: <laughs> Very good.
0: And I feel another song coming on. Knock, knock. Who's there? Agad. Agad. Who? Push pineapple. Shake the tree. <sighs> Prison escape was big news this week. Uh, there it is. Bid food, a fantastic
1: takeaway service, five stars from me. <laughs> I don't know whether you saw it, Steve, but when when they were driving them into court, on a, it was on Monday. That van was driving past in front of the police van that took them. What was the chances
0: you of that? Couldn't have scripted that. Like what? Good advertising. <laughs> Uh, Matthew Stanger, this is great. My sister went to a 40th birthday party last night with a Blackburn Rovers cake, which was clearly made by a Burnley fan who put claret and blue icing in the middle. <laughs> that's, that's Absolute hilarious. classic. And uh, this one, most people have heard of Karl Marx, of course, the philosopher, but a few know of his sister, Anya, the Olympic runner. Her name is still mentioned at the start of every race. Anya <laughs> Marx, get set, go. Very good. Um... <laughs> Paul McCartney, disqualified from the London Marathon. His agent told the Daily Dafty he's banned on the run. <laughs> and um, this one. We asked 100 people to name an item of school uniform. You said, hard hat. Our survey said, <laughs> uh, and I thought the limit was two. Day 39 on the arc. Uh, <laughs> a few rabbits have uh, been going forth and multiplying. As a kid, did you ever knock on people's doors and run away before they answered? Well, guess what? They're now hiring. <laughs> and this is good as well. Thanks, Mike. I was high last night and realised something. If you turn Donald Duck's head upside down, it becomes Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Uh, Mom, leave the darn sign in the kitchen where it belongs. Life is short. Lick the ball. <laughs> and... Relax, says Terry. It's only a plum. Uh, too extreme for Tweet of the Week. No, it wasn't, mate. Because it is a
1: plum.
0: <laughs> uh, the Pope finds out boys to men is not a delivery service. <laughs> uh, I was near the bone, that one. Uh, Jim Morrison's van. And Van Morrison's gym. <laughs> Very good. I did like that one. And testicular injuries in women's sport increased, as you can see, from 1990 to 2025. <laughs> And if there is a fire, what steps would you take? asks the teacher. Effing big ones, <laughs> says the kid. You go far, that boy. Will. And all I want for Christmas is my dog to carry his bone correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet of the week from Jimmy. This couple went to the gym together for six months. Xavier's back in with Did the guy wait outside? <laughs> I like Xavier. Uh, when you've only been at your job for two weeks and already have a reputation. Oh, dear me. <laughs> uh, and Scotland get battered everywhere they go. Stu Pemman replies, is your real name Scotland?
1: <laughs> that's our Stu.
0: Very done. Uh Do you want a box for your leftovers? Nah, I hate violence. You can have them. <laughs> Excellent, Ian. My type. That I love it. A da photo for Friday's amigos. Uh, of course, another one of those quiz games. Uh, Ravi went out, but Oli was still in. Ravi Oli, brilliant. Um, and Jesus Christ was originally going to be named Gary until Mary stubbed her toe. That
1: looks like until
0: Mitch. Mary
1: stubbed her toe. <laughs> that
0: was, that was good, from though. Zara. One of a few from Zara. Uh, Sylvester Stalin. Very good. Could have been a look like that. Very good. And in 2060, Southgate's still England manager, and you guessed it, Maguire and Henderson are still starting. <laughs> the one from Zora. As is this one. Stumbled upon a man having a pee in the alley, and I'm the one, one apologised, putting the shame in the bench. shame. <laughs> Last few. Uh, a long time ago, we had empires run by emperors. Then we had kingdoms run by kings. Now we have countries. Mm, Yes, Very good. And trespassers will be prosec... prosec... prosec headbutted. That was a sign in Scotland. And this post has been removed because it might cause offence. Oh, great. Top three. I don't really like Indian food. I prefer English food like pizza or Chinese. Jamie Vardy. Number two, we all can uh, agree with this, yes. Pri- prime for all the rivers, <laughs> WD-40 in a can. <laughs> Mitchell will need that after his weekend this weekend. And uh, coming in at number one, it's not just me, is it? No, it's not. Very good. <laughs> Keep them coming. Zara, Stephen, Ian, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jim, uh, everybody who's submitted them this week, been some absolute belters. Keep them coming in. Please keep sending them to us and uh, we will feature them next week on Tweet of the Week. Okay, lots of football questions coming up, but uh, I do want to ask this one from Alan. He says, lads, question. Are we worried that there's no sign of the ground being expanded or the training complex being built? Uh, Are we already standing still? It's been two years now. I will answer and I don't think this is a long answer really. Not not at all, because they've got to they've got to go through the same motions as everybody else, Planning permission, got to go through surveys, especially with the ground. It's not something that can be done overnight. Um, you know, we need that sorted out. And I think the training ground, etc., you know, again will 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 all come to will it'll all come out at some point, won't it? It'll it will it will come into place, but we can't just do everything. Investment in the playing squad was first and foremost you know, sprucing up the ground as best we can, you know, improving the financial fair play.
1: And then the rest will come, Steve, surely. Yeah, when, they, when they've got the designs ready for the training ground and when they've got the plan application ready to go, that's when we'll find out. Um, but there's an awful lot. I mean, it, it, you've got to remember what what they're looking to build is going to be a training ground that's going to be part of the football club establishment for the next 50, 60, 70 years. They've got to get it right. You know, both location-wise and facility-wise. You know, it's it's a massive investment. Um, there's so many new features, and new design features that can be that can be incorporated um, that they've possibly never never considered. Um, you know, they'll have, they'll be traveling around the world. They'll have a team traveling around the world looking at at, at training complexes, uh, some of the finest training complexes you can never imagine. The Middle East training complexes that we know of in in Riyadh, for example. And in Jeddah, some of the some of the ones in in uh, in Doha, um, and then obviously you, you look to America and you look at training complexes that they have in the NFL. Um, so that there's an awful lot of work to be done, um, just to make sure that what we get is going to be, you know, the, the, the top of the top, because that's what they'll be looking for. And then when you look at the the ground itself, I think there's there's a couple of issues that you have. Obviously, one is what they do with the East Stand. The second one, obviously, is the Gallagher end. Um, it's interesting that the the, the stack um, application that's in at the moment. That's only going to stretch us till I think it's the end of twenty twenty five, and possibly into twenty twenty six. It tells you that that's just temporary. Um, it tells you that it's given them then the opportunity to do something um, and to plan ahead. And while that's while that's in operation, and I'd, from from what I can gather, the club doesn't see that area. Um, where the stack um, area is going to be on the car park. They don't see it as a money-making venture. It's not there for that. Um, it's not going to be some sort of panacea that's going to bring millions and millions of pounds in. Um, it's purely going to be somewhere where supporters can meet, support uh, entertainment can be put on on a match day, something different to what's going to be offered um, in the rest of the city centre. Um, but it's not it's not a permanent feature. It's it's temporary, and during that time, they'll be looking to decide what to do with that plot of land, um, and how they can incorporate it, if possible, into the redevelopment of the Gallagher End. Um, we've we've mentioned the Leeser's End, uh, sorry, the, the the East Stand in passing, um, in our little conversations a couple of times. We. You know, we're well, being a bit mischievous. Um, one of the one of the suggestions we made was well, they looking at these stands because it's 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 rat concrete, for example. You know, um, that was immediately that was a, the flavor, the topic of the of the month a couple of weeks ago, and before the schools went back. But on a serious note, I mean that that has been up for what nigh on sixty years now, uh, coming up. Um, it was started at the back end of of nineteen seventy, I think, wasn't it? Um, so it's fifty odd years at least. Um and it's made out of concrete reinforced. Um I don't know what the life of concrete is. I, I was talking to Bill Corcoran today about it, and Bill said, Well, the Romans used concrete that was that's lasted a thousand years because yeah, but they knew how to make concrete. <laughs> by the seventies we'd forgotten how to make concrete. I think that it's quite possible that uh, you know that they're looking at the east stand uh, simply because of of what it's what it's manufactured from. Um, but that site will take an awful lot of clearing as well. And I think that all comes into the bigger round of, of what they're gonna do um stadium-wise full stop. Um so a lot of a lot of little wheels within wheels are spinning at the moment. Um but we'll find out in good time about the uh about the training ground. Um as I say, I, I don't expect them to make announcement. Until they've they've studied everything that can be for an absolute state-of-the-art training complex. Um, and then we'll take it from there.
0: Okay, mate, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not panicking. If you look at the way they're having to do things, everything's either temporary or interim, isn't it? You know, temporary fans zone and interim training room redevelopment. Um, and that's what they've had to work on first. I think the other thing as well we having the battle is having rules change I'm doing, constantly. So, some things that didn't used to be under FFP suddenly are miraculously under FFP during that. And it all has to be factored in going forward that we don't trip ourselves up and make a mistake in terms of that. Um, so, um, it, it, it all needs to be thought through, and that all takes time. We know there's problems with potential development schools at the Gallagher end and I'm in the Beatles Sorry, and the at least is terrorist with easy so um all of these things there's no overnight solution. Yes, we've we've chewed the fat have uh, but pals who are architects, who've done stuff for me, all of which started in a conversation in a pub with a beer mat and a pen, you know, and, and and going forward from there. Um the real I am takes a lot more a lot, lot more than that. It takes time. Um so I think yeah, I'm not overly concerned. Um, the fact that they're they doing things like looking at the fine zone in which they've still keep through with an intermission. With solution, um, would suggest that their ideas are doing something more with the world plots and gyms and surrounding areas going forward. But it it, it is gonna happen overnight, that's for pretty sure. Um, and in the meantime We'll progress at where we can on the pitch and use feet to our advantage where we can to develop in every single possible way. And the more successful we are on the pitch, um, the more we are going to be able to furnish the nice things off the pitch. So just one step at a time. It's, it's all part of that brand, that plan, that we're still really ahead of the curve on.
0: Yeah, don't panic is the uh, the message from us. Certainly, uh, East East Stand is knackered. Um, yeah, I mean from inside, it will be condemned in a few years, says Nicholas. Um, yeah, we do we do care about uh, you know the ground. We do want it to be better, but um, it will take time. Uh, that is uh, that is the the, the issue. Uh, Krista uh, Johnson says, "Come on, Eddie, take a chance like Klopp in two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve, with youngsters like Lewis Hall, Elliot Anderson, Murphy, and Livermore and Miley." With absolutely nothing to lose, and Eamon asks, uh, lads, do you think Lewis Hall will make his debut tomorrow? So it's interesting this, and I'll tie this in with the whole left back question that was asked at the press conference today. Steve, um, it was asked of Eddie, you know, do you think you'll ever see the day where you could play Kieran Trippier at left back? And he said, look, he's, <laughs> we look at every p- potential option. Um, you know, he's he's clearly capable of playing that position. He showed that at international level. Um, we always keep our options open. But we've just signed young Lewis Hall, who, you know, is 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 much revered at Chelsea. Uh, a lot of their fans didn't want him to leave. Um, yes, he's a young lad, uh, but looks in all intents and purposes, and what I've seen, is, is somebody who could come in and do a job immediately in the Premier League. So, you know, is it time maybe to give Lewis Hall a, a chance? Or, you know, w- would you consider unbalancing the team, sticking sticking uh, Trippier on the left back and giving Livermendo a chance at right back?
1: Uh, as few changes as possible would always be my mantra when it comes to defence. Shuffling people across and to accommodate somebody else, uh, can often turn into a recipe for disaster. Um, there was as I suppose a lot of it will boil down to how he's doing in training. I um, haven't said that yet. Yeah. You... That seems to be the flavour of the month at the moment, isn't it? With managers, players not performing in training and and then you bomb them out. Um, But, you know, seriously, I mean, the lad's only been here a couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, we know that he's got wonderful potential, um, played a lot of money for him. Um, His time will come. The question is, um, having witnessed uh, the performance of Matt Target the previous week, um, would you now consider him to be ahead of Matt Target in your thinking? And I suppose that's the that's the the one that Eddie um, has to juggle. That's the 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 coin that he has to spin. I mean, there was talk of uh, just towards the end of the transfer window that, that Matt Target wanted away. He was wanting um, football, you know, permanent uh, opportunity. He was possibly getting a bit sick of uh, of always being in, on the uh, on on the bench. Um, but a lot of that was down to the fact that he was out for a long time injured, um, and then when he came back, he couldn't he couldn't dislodge Dan Byrne. This is what what Lewis Hall has to do is show that he can dislodge both Dan Burn uh, and Matt Target for the left back post if he wants to make it his own. Um, Livramento, his time will come. I think having having seen Livramento when he came on um, a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was a bit rabbit in the headlights type of of. 10 minutes cameo from him. I thought I didn't understand why they threw him in in, in the way that he did. Um, it didn't really seem to, to, to have any rhyme or reason to it other than giving him a run out. Um, whether I, I think he, I think his task is going to be harder to dislodge Trippier than Lewis Hall's task will be to dislodge, dislodge either Dan Byrne um, or Matt Target at left back. Um, but time will tell. Um, Tomorrow might be a good game to, to, to put to put uh, to put Hall in. Um might be might be just what we need. Um freshened up a little bit, <coughs> excuse me, shows Eddie isn't isn't frightened to make changes. Um, you know, there's been a big clamour for him to make changes, um, but he he is a manager who's quite loyal. Um I suppose much as well depends on um in terms of formation, and we'll probably come to that on on you know, who comes back fit and who's still injured from international duty, who's suffering from jet lag after long journeys, um, who's played and in is struggling. Um, it sounded in the press conference like everybody was 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 okay, um, other than Tonali, who were uh, we're now waiting for 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 the signs from. I personally suspect that Tonali will be uh will be rested. Um, and given an extra few days before we then uh, we then face his old club in the in the Champions League, but uh, yeah, maybe he's, maybe he's tomorrow is the game for uh, for for Hall to come in. Time to give Lewis Hall a run out, Mitch.
2: Don't see what we've got to lose by. if He's ready for me. If Botman's back, he should be. In. I think if that's the way forward, if that's how he sees uh, the lineup of the back four going forward, um, I don't get. The whole trip year at left fullback thing not helped by Southgate doing it through the week. Um, he frustrated me at left fullback as much as Alma Run, something which frustrates me on the right. Um, you know, when you've got a player effectively on the wrong side and he wants to come in I constantly to use his favoured foot, that, that gives the weakness that the oppositions can exploit and they won't get the full trip year at left fullback on a regular basis. In an emergency, yes, but when you've got three left-footed players who can play a full-back there, you pick the best one. And on the basis of the last couple of games, neither Burn nor Target covered themselves in glory. And if mean, you know, Paul's ready to go and he's up the speed, why not? We've invested in him for the future, but he's also shown him with the performances he's made for Chelsea that he's ready for the now as well. And if you if you're good enough you're enough to take years out of your coach um, I think also uh, do we see a change in formation coming or do we see a change in the way the team works again as Steve rightly says depending on who's come back fully fit and who hasn't uh, who's jet lagged or might not be etc etc I think we've, we've got some really important team based decisions to make on players and Left backs most definitely one of them. But but I don't see what we've got to lose by chucking all in now. he's uh, been at the club long enough. He should hopefully be up to speed with everything. Um and I don't see what he can offer that target of boon offer the left over. Yeah.
1: The other aspect of that this as well, guys, is that we'll say put him in tomorrow. Brighton are quite a direct team. Uh, Brighton Brentford rather quite a direct team when it comes. They do tend to sometimes play a bit of a counter-attacking game, but uh, last week they they were very much uh, the the offensive team when they played Bournemouth. Um, you know they they really went at it and they've got pace across that front line even without Ivan Tony. So uh, you know it's going to be one of those games where you are going to be looking for players uh, with a little bit of pace to counteract them. And it that's this is what's fascinating. Do you do you match pace for pace? attackman wise, or do you match pace for face defensively? You know, so you you, you stick someone in uh, who's got pace going forward, or who can 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 get back quick? Um, I think I think it's going to be one of those games tomorrow. That it's going to be fast and free flowing. Um, it's going to be very very interesting, and that, that it, it could well be that, that it's a perfect game for Lewis Hall to come into. And I think he's one of those lads who, if if he got a start, he could suddenly find that he can hold his place in the team, and um, because that's the challenge for him. That's a chance for everyone who gets an opportunity when you're castle now and it'll be the same. The question was asked on the on the line there about uh, Elliot Anderson and whether it was the right time to give him a shot um, and he should be looking well. Once you get your opportunity, you've got to be ready and you've got to be prepared to be able to hold it and take it. I suppose the Anderson problem is that he, he, he didn't perform for Scotland because he was struggling apparently with an injury um, and it's a case of whether he'd be risked. But what you wouldn't want from an Elliot Anderson would be for it to be thrown in, um, thinking he has an opportunity and then pulls up with an injury that knocks him back for four or five weeks. And before you know it, it's Christmas time before he then gets gets back. So mm-hmm. time, you know, time is of the essence for, with some of these young lads sometimes, but it's also they've got to be a bit patient. Um, and I think... As long as they're ready in training and they're ready to step in and they've got the confidence to say, right now I've got the shirt, I'm going to keep the shirt. That's what Eddie Howe will be looking for from them, you know. And that's what I'd, if I was a manager in in Eddie Howe's position, that's what would would it would probably keep us awake at night on the plus side rather than the negative side because I'd feel as though I had a squad of players who were desperate to play for Newcastle United. Um mm-hmm. and I bought them for that purpose and I'm seeing it from that purpose as well, so all all positive from us. Yeah, all positive. Okay, thirty minutes to go.
0: Time for tune look alike. <laughs> Okay, uh, Jacob, go with the late one. Let's all pray with Reverend Hasty says, for Newcastle this weekend, and so say all of us, mate, and so say all of us. Uh, John Joe Shelby is off to Turkey. It hasn't gone unnoticed by Ian Windsor. Uh, he says this is him after his uh, season-long loan in Turkey. Uh, I, had, I, had, I had numerous pictures like that. Yep. Uh, there's A couple more Hasties chucked in. This one from Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Um, very, very dapper there, Steve, on your uh, yep. you? And uh, this one from Steve, uh, having a good time on the beach. Uh, bless her get some stick Daniel oh, he used to go uh, to 24 teeth as well Jacob as well seen Hastie in one of Adam videos this week wow cheers Adam there Trying you are just having, having a little peep there Alan McKenzie uh, Friday night lookalike Pauline from the League of Gentlemen and Carol Malone <laughs> very good did like that one um, this one uh, from Stu Penman John Parrott and Chipper's <laughs> this is the problem, Chip. As now that you're part of the fans' forum, uh, you're a target yeah. for Stu. Uh, Read us it says Ali McCoyst and Jim Kerr,
1: yeah, both alive and kicking,
0: both alive and kicking. Very good, Steve. I like that look alike for Mr. Steve Hasty, writer and producer, James Jude Forbes. <laughs> That's a new one, yeah, but at least it's a bloke, at least it's yeah, an actual it's person. Bad. Uh, Jimmy Muir, um, Diamond Bar Sinister, and Rudy Giuliani from Jimmy.
1: <laughs> that's good Jimmy that
0: and this one uh the former Chelsea manager Andrea Ville Boas and Bradley Cooper yeah mm. that one's from Tom and another one from Rita the longest escaped terrorist and Tino <laughs> poor lad sure, Tino will be over the moon with that I bet and this one was Mitch apparently it was a video though so I had to screenshot it and see see <laughs> the likeness there uh Admiral Akbar and Marlon Harewood from Tom oh, Dixon. Dear, sure Marlon Harewood will be over the moon about that. Uh, another one from uh, Tom, Jordan Pickford uh, and Doppelganger from Dudley. And this one from Rocky Toon, Justin Long from Die Hard and Tenali.
1: Yeah, see that.
0: Pretty good. And Jason, Glenn Durant and Robert Patrick. Lookalikey. Ooh. Mm. Pretty good uh, Another one Hasty's lost Another bet Says Ray <laughs> And a who's there. And you never see Brian May And Isaac Newton In the same room Do you says Stephen Kennedy That's true That's true Okay coming down To the last few uh, Guess I've had too much Caffeine I thought this lady Was a muppet <laughs> Had that one before But it never It never grows old uh, Top three Steve McLaren And Donald Trump
2: <laughs> Seems pretty good.
0: So... Sometimes sometimes it's all in the angles, isn't it? Number two, Zelda and Maguire. <laughs> From Rita. And well done, Rita. Uh, well done, Rita. You've won this week. Michael Landon and Mark Hughes.
1: Oh, yeah. I well, did like I...
0: that one. Yep. I did like that one. Pretty Little good. House Keep them coming in. Send them to me, Mitch or um, Steve or George or anybody from any UFC matters, and we will endeavour to get them on the show. uh, Thank you. Okay. Before we push ahead with uh, looking ahead to uh, the game against Brentford, just want to talk about Sean Longstaff Uh, again. Something from the press conference today. A lot of a lot of the journalists almost subliminally pushing the message towards. Uh, our our manager about Longstaff. Um, he was a bit, I wouldn't say he was snappy today, Eddie, but that, the answers that he gave were shorter and they were more concise. The first few press conferences this year have gone on 34, 35 minutes on the videos that have been put out by the club. Today was 26 minutes and I just got the feeling that Eddie wanted to get this over and done with. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of questions about Sean Longstaff. And one particular journalist, I think it might have been Simon Bird. I will have to double check my notes. But somebody mentioned, ah, hold on. Yeah, it was Simon Bird from the Mirror. My mind didn't let us down. He mentioned that Longstaff uh, was the one to miss out this year. Uh, and should we look out for potentially him being included? Uh, because he's one of those 12 players that you've had worked with through the international break with others being away. And he basically said, look, Sean wasn't left out. He hasn't been missed out. He was injured in pre-season. He wasn't moved out of the team, um, and now he's returned to full fitness. He's available for selection. So it was—it wasn't a telling off for Simon Bird, but it was just the way that he, the way that he answered the question. He's got a very, very clever way of getting his message across. And If he's not happy, you can still, you can still feel it. So Longstaff, uh, clearly somebody who made a big difference last season. We did miss him when he was out of the team. He is one of those players that split opinions. Tonali came in, uh, played alongside Joel and, and Bruno in that first game. We we're going to win the league. We we're going to win the Champions League after the 5-1 win. Since then, we've lost three games. It's doom and gloom. Stockholm Syndrome is back in full effect as, as far as Newcastle fans are concerned. We'll play Brentford tomorrow. Is Brentford the tank to put Sean Longstaff back in the team, Steve, if Tonali is not 100%?
1: If Tenali's not one hundred percent, I expect him to be back in the team. To be perfectly honest, Steve, I think that's, I think it's a, it's a given. Um what I would say is that the 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 Tenali Bruno combination um, that Eddie Howe talked about is like a work in progress. I think they're just familiarising themselves. They've been together that long. When Tenali arrived and then he went on holiday, and um, because he had been involved in the, the Euro twenty ones. Uh, Under 21s, and then Bruno was away on international duty. Then they came back, they had both had extended periods of holiday before we then went over to America, and uh, then all of a sudden were thrown in the first game of the season. And as you say, we all thought it was going going to be absolutely tremendous. Um, but I think that I think that you what Sean does is he brings the best out of Bruno, but I think it, it's actually the other way around where Bruno was bringing, bringing the best out of Sean. I think it, sometimes you get a situation where two players just seem to click. They know where each other are going to be. Um, they know who they can rely on to be behind them. You know, they know that if there's a rick in them or if they want to do something a little bit more flamboyant, that somebody's there to mop up if it doesn't go right. And I think that was what was working well with, with Sean Longstaff and and Bruno at times. Um, maybe it's the problem will start to, to sort of come back and bite Eddie when it suddenly pins to him that he's gonna to have to change his formation um you know maybe it's when it becomes a four in midfield rather than a, a three three that he plays or a five th- one um maybe maybe that's a change and maybe he's in in European games um as he as he gets to to grips with the way European footballs played at slightly slower pace um slightly clogged midfield maybe that's what it, it, it you know that's that might be the opportunity but uh, Sean is un- undoubtedly for me uh, um, one of the one of the mainstays of the, of the squad. Uh, I thought I thought Eddie Howe started off the press conference quite in a quite buoyant, upbeat mood. But I think the fact it only lasted twenty six minutes tells you that he was being business like. He was he wasn't going to take anything from you know he was expecting a little bit from the from some of the press, especially the written press. And he wasn't he was prepared for uh, to just basically shut it down. Um, I think it's probably the best way to put it. Um, whether that because he felt a bit prickly, or whether it's because um, he anticipated um, what was going to be what he was going to be questioned on. But I think that uh, I, I thought he started off quite in quite a buoyant fashion um, when he walked in and 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 you know he was very much up for the conversation. But sometimes there's nothing wrong with one-word answers or you know uh, one-line answers to. to Especially to the press, who are often there trying to catch him with a follow up, depending on what he says. And sometimes, what what tends to happen with with Eddie Howe is it sometimes he can say too much, and it it ends up going into a bit of a rabbit hole. Um, and it just gives it just gives more ammunition to some of the, some of the written press, especially when they try and pin him on some of the political stuff that uh, he's been very very good at batting off. Um, I've expected someone to mention the European, uh, the, uh, the, the international break in terms of Saudi Arabia, but uh, I think that's that's been washed over now that many times that uh, it's not even sports washing, it's dishwashing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many people try to get the Champions League in today, and he's just going, you, yeah. you know what he's going to say? One game at a time. I'm focused exactly. on Brentford. One game at a time. I'm focused on Brentford. I mean, it was pointless asking the question. Uh, Mitch, yeah, long staff. Time to, bring, time to bring the local lad back in now that he's fully fit and Tonali's got doubts?
2: If Tonali's a doubt and we want to keep him ready for Tuesday I think and he can talk about one game at a time but the selection for tomorrow will be a selection with who may be or may not be available on Tuesday in mind so it inevitably comes together for me and if there's a doubt, a doubt about Ternod, of course, Longstaff should go straight. Um, Longstaff's being added to my list of players who seem to get better the longer they're out of the side. And I think his work, when he is in the side, goes underappreciated to me. Um I think uh, I would have no qualms with him going in to face Brentford. I think, uh, and if he's fit and he's ready, and again, Eddie is probably a bit naughty because I think some of the journalists do try to fish with questions to create a little bit of potential controversy when there's nothing to be there. You know, you've you dropped them a lot and dropped them. He was fit, and and so I think he's pushing back a little bit um, for people who want drama when there's no drama to be found. Uh I think we're a, a relatively or we seem to be a relatively drama free squad now. And so um you, you know, if, if you want that, go fishing elsewhere. So maybe that's what's getting up Eddie's beak with that kind of line of questioning. You just just don't know. Um but certainly the the fact that the the conference was shorter than usual says a lot. And maybe he's, Maybe he's he's just created this area of of business around the place. We've just got to get the job done. Let's get on with it. Um, And that may be the message he's trying to get across within the press conference, but also that may be backing up what he's saying in the dressing room behind the scenes, you know?
0: Okay. um, just want to talk about this as well. Uh, Somebody brought it up in the chat, and two uh, TV games... Uh, now, Saturday the 4th of uh, November, Arsenal at home, 5 30 kickoff live on Sky. And then, oh, yes, you're reading that correctly. Uh, the following week, Bournemouth away, half past five kickoff on Sky. Oh, Tom Dixon said, Do you think it's good at playing at 5 30 uh, all the time for live television broadcast? I mean, the bottom line is we can't do a thing about it, Steve. But again, Arsenal no. fans will be disappointed because a 5.30 kickoff means they've got to come and either get a bus up here and get back in the stupid, stupid early time in the morning or they miss out because they can't get a train home and they've got to stay and get a, book a hotel. It becomes more of an expensive situation. And again, Newcastle United on the south coast at a time which makes it either difficult to get back or difficult to get there. 12, 12.30 I think it was for Brighton, wasn't it? Um, you know, like a ludicrous time that people had to get up to travel to go there. Um, and and you know, sometimes impossible to get trains that early in the morning. And and now with the Bournemouth game, you know, Newcastle fans face the you know, the the the, the, the task of either having to get back from Brighton, which can be a seven, eight hour or you know, 16 hour all round trip, or you know, staying down in Bournemouth. I mean, I know some people can do that, people can afford it, but. But other people just can't. And changing it so, you know, so close to that period as well. It's coming up to Christmas. People will be struggling. It's just a bit awkward, isn't it? I mean, I know we've just got to get used to it, but just another kick in the, kick in the nuts for Newcastle fans.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. that it's the way things are going, I suppose. This, being in the Champions League as well means that we're, we've got that added problem when we're playing on a Tuesday that, you know, we'll be looking for games to be either kicking off early um, on a Saturday or if it has to be. On a Saturday, and um, you know, if it's previously been scheduled for a Sunday and gets moved back to a Saturday, then the TV see that as an opportunity to snap, snap us up for a TV game and a mm-hmm. 5.30 kickoff. Um, it's, <laughs> I think it's one of those things, it's it's like, you know, it, we, we can complain and, and moan about it as much as it's like, but let's face it, it's the TV companies that are, that are ruling the roost in terms of the fixtures now, the kickoff times as well. Um, Maybe it's the, maybe it's at this point that we should start to be looking, especially when you know everybody says that the that 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 sacrosanct three, thir- three o'clock uh, blackout that we have, you know, if ever a club would benefit from a from a three o'clock kickoff on TV on a Saturday, just to give us that little bit of of opportunity to get home after a game, for example, uh, it would be Newcastle United. You know, we have the furthest to travel of any any club in the Premier League. And then have South Coast games played at those ridiculous times of five thirty or twelve thirty kickoff, which makes it doubly difficult to get to get there and doubly difficult to get to get back. It's it's disappointing that you know from a TV perspective. Why? What do you see as exciting about Newcastle at at Bournemouth on a five thirty kickoff? You know Um, the the plus side is that we get the more the more games we're on tv the more money it comes comes our way but sometimes um you know it shouldn't always be about money but uh, i'm afraid it is um and it's just it's just one of those things that no matter how much we shout we're not going to win the argument um no matter how much the fsa shout um on a national level we're not they're not going to win the argument um the, no matter what the Premier League say and what the TV companies say in terms of how they organize themselves and how they organize these kickoffs. And no matter what how they eulogize about speaking to fans and taking taking into account what the fans have to say, they don't really. It, they just run they just run a coach and horses through it. It it's it's lip service when they talk to when they talk to fans' organizations, when they talk about supporters and they talk about dialogue and wanting the best, um, total lip service, uh, they're taking the mic, Um, and they have they don't have fans, uh, best interests at heart when it comes to that. Um, that's if if they did, they would be paying for the transport, the TV companies, because at the end of the day, the TV companies only want the games that are going to be full. They they don't want stadiums that are half empty. Um so that's when it that's when it changes from the argument that fans don't put much into the game in terms of revenue and it all comes from the tv companies the tv companies get their revenue because of the atmosphere that fans create because then they get the more fans that are there the better the atmosphere the better the product the more advertising revenue comes their way so you know that's that's where where their benefits so perhaps now it's time for a different tack from supporters groups and maybe there should be doing something that says there should be a fund set up within it that pays for fans, covers things like accommodation, covers things like inconvenience um, for not being able to get home, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe that's the way that we, we, the, the, the fan groups need to start attacking this one, Steve.
0: Yeah, kick-off time is always going to be a bone of contention, isn't it, Mitch? 5.30 seems to be Newcastle's new kickoff time.
2: Um, let's chuck a few things around and see what comes out. Let's start by saying um, I've said this consistency on this, this platform and others for a long, long time. Television companies really just don't give a flying message about the fans. And I somewhere in my email still have an, e- an email from Football League that pretty interesting <laughs> When I was chair of the trust, and Steve helped let my letter to them. That's an hour. Kickoff times around June season particularly with the off of Plymouth that Tuesday night about sixty eight minutes. Um they basically said the television companies do what we want can't stop. That's pretty much what the play said. Um that there's no reason for me to that that's changed and there's no reason for me to think we care for the minute because they're still doing consistently with us, with the Maggams, with Brighton, with Southampton Bournemouth. Anybody who's got to go the length and breadth of the country, they really do. If it suits them, then that's it. Some of it, though, as well. Us five for us. So you notice when we've been doing the podcast tonight? I'm in a hotel lobby in the Middle East. Uh, Friday night. And at the start of the podcast, it was quite quiet. And now it's busy. It's getting busier. This is prime time in this part of the world. 530 kickoff is prime time in this region. Five thirty kickoff also means the lads in San Diego aren't watching the match for their breakfast, they're watching the match with their lunch. It's a better time for than the US And all the data I've seen from Amazon you know, that somebody shared the visible with who watches what and where, apparently globally, the best audiences are five thirty. On a Saturday kickoff. They're the ones that attract the best audience globally. And while we have owners in the Middle East who want to talk about attracting um, fan base around the world, it's very advantageous for us as a club to kick off at Hat past Five on Saturday in terms of exposure. And that kind of suits us. And so I suspect. As a club, we'll play along with it Um, because it's it's the global exposure that we want and desire, and that's the double edged sword of the ownership that we have as it stands and how things will change and how we have to adapt as a fan base. For me, it just means there's a damn good chance of being out a lot longer watching the match. making it a messier even than it needs to be but never mind um it's it, it it's a very interesting situation and i'm not surprised to see us getting the last because because like i say i think it, you know, the other thing to look at as well is do those extra hours really make a big difference when we're talking about being in european competition too Clock, if you listen to me, every clock moving again by two or three hours seems to be the end of the working world. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, my god, the hamstrings might dissolve. Um, but does it really make that much difference? Well, if it does make that much difference, is it giving us a little bit extra recovery time? Are we benefiting from those extra couple of hours? I just don't know. Um, it, these things are always what you make of it. And, it's your own truth from a certain point of view, isn't it? Um, yep. It's part of being popular. It's part of wanting to be the team that everybody wants to see. That's in the news all the time, Is you're going to have your pick-off team moved around left, right and centre. It never did Man harm any harm when they were willing titles take those left, right and centre either, and so it shouldn't be. It is a, it is a threat either, in my opinion.
1: There's another aspect to it as well, Steve, with the uh, with the TV companies and the 530 kickoff, and that is that they do prefer the games to be played in the dark under the floodlights. They feel as though they get a better atmosphere, um, psychologically a better atmosphere. Um and obviously, especially up in the northeast. I mean, yeah. come October, it's dark at five five thirty, you know. So they're getting the best of both worlds, and uh, it does it does come over on TV as a better package when it's a, a night game under the floodlights be interesting over the next week or so that it's maybe something that people as the shows are going on, can, can give us a little bit of feedback on, because I'd be interested to know whether people feel as though the difference between a three o'clock and a five thirty home game, and uh, mm. which one they prefer, which one is, which one is the better, and um, which one is the, is the more convenient, um, or the more inconvenient, um, I don't think from my personal point of view three to five thirty doesn't really make that much difference, um. But that's because I only live ten minute drive into town on the bus, you know. Mm. But for other people, you know, and I know of friends of mine who live up in in Northumberland, for example. Um, sometimes it's it's difficult, more difficult on a on a Sunday. Uh, for to get a for to get a train home that it is on a Saturday, um, and sometimes it's where the train's stopping, whether it's stopping at Alnmouth or whether he has to, you know, get off at Morpeth or whether it's not stopping there and it's a Berwick and the wife has to drive up or he has to drive there to leave the car to come back uh, after the game. That type of of question and so there's a lot of a lot of, of inconvenience that other fans get that I don't. Um, so I'd be interested to hear people's opinion on that. The 3 o'clock, 5.30 conundrum On a Saturday, Steve at home
0: Yeah, and uh, Newcastle United Of course, kick off tomorrow, 5.30 Live on Sky Sports <laughs> uh, Against Brentford, so uh, we'll Finish off the show tonight with uh, Our uh, our pre-match preview And predictions, and we'll start with Toonstad staddle
3: Hello, lots and losses. Another huge game this weekend before the Milan journey on Tuesday. Brentford at St. James's Park after three defeats in a row for Newcastle, so it's a huge game for us. We haven't lost four in a row since January 2021 under Steve Bruce, when actually we went on to lose five in a row before we beat Everton at Goodison. At the same time, we have won seven out of the last eight games against Brentford in all league games since 1992, scoring 24 in the process. Brentford, on the other hand, are a team in form. They have only one defeat in the Premier League in their last 11 games. That was one nil against Liverpool back in May. They're still unbeaten this season, with one win and three draws. Actually, no, three of their draws. They took the lead, which makes them the team with most lost points from winning positions in the league. At the same time, they're without Ivan Tony. And since the start of last season, without him, they have played nine, won five and drawn four. They don't have a single defeat with uh, Brian Beumo taking the leading role in the meantime. At the same time, Nick Pope has only one clean sheet in his last 15 games. That was back in May against Leicester in the famous game that secured qualification for the Champions League. And only two clean sheets in the last 22 games, while the stats of conceded shots per game are more or less similar. Maybe we have an uh, issue in defence. Let's see what will happen on Sunday and uh, let's hope that this is the turning point in the season and we go on to another Champions League slot. Away the lads. Thanks
0: to Andre. Of course, he meant Saturday, not Sunday. Uh, just in case some of you are thinking, oh my God, I'm on the train up and it's uh, <laughs> not Sunday. Uh, but yeah, he meant Saturday. Thanks, to, as always, to Andre. And he is coming to the game as well. Um, so I think he was in Barcelona there when he made that video. Uh, referee, um, Craig Porson, um, and of course, he had four tune games last season. Um, he had the 1 uh, 1 at home to Bournemouth, 0 0 at Man United, 0 0 at Palace, and the 5 1 win at West Ham. Uh, he does like to book Joe Linton, he's booked Joe Linton in three of those games last season. VAR, which is often switched off, is uh, John Brooks, and of course, Ivan Tony is out. Um, banned until next year of course and uh, as for uh, Newcastle's team news where we know that Willock and um, Kraft are both still out Botman will return, there is optimism uh, with regard to that and Sandro Tonali as well should at least play some part I would imagine he could be on the bench we would say that it was probably Longstaff who would come in to replace him and the big question is who does he play at left back if Botman's back in, is he going to put Burn back in there or is he going to bring in Lewis Hall? One would imagine if Botman's fit, he'd probably go with Burn, uh, especially with it being against Brentford, listening to his press conference today. So, Steve, big game. We've spoken a lot about the players tonight, uh, which was nice, instead of talking about ticking. Um, So, I think, you know, it, it, you know, we've more or less sorted out where we're at with the team. How do you see the, the game going tomorrow, mate?
1: I think... Uh... I think it'll be an expansive game. I'm ex- I'm expecting that them to carry on in the same vein as they as they played uh, last weekend against Bournemouth, where they you know it took them a, it took them a last minute goal to to pull it back, but by all accounts were you know really uh, really the dominating factor all the way through the second half. I think that uh, I think they've got I think they've got pace to burn at times. I think that they can be physical, but they do tend to play on the break uh, very very quick. Um, very mobile. Um, and I think it might suit us because I think that, uh, as we saw last last year when uh, when we went there uh, down to Bournemouth, that uh, you know, to uh, Brentford, that you can stretch them and you can take advantage. Um, it took penalties last time, didn't it, from Ivan yeah. Tony and some dodgy penalties at that, some dodgy penalty decisions. Let's hope we've got none of that tomorrow. Um, the VR guy who's assisting in the box was the VR guy who didn't see didn't see that uh, diabolical uh, effort um that was allowed by uh Ake when Akanji jumped over the ball. Um he, he didn't think that was right. So it just goes it goes to show that the the those VR guys really are um out of touch. Um I'm gonna go for a penman, I'm gonna go for three-one. I think we'll get back to winning ways. Um I'm, I think it'll be a good game. Um I, you know what? Three one. That if if Stewie if Stewie wins some money on three one, just from me being on three one alongside him, then that would be a bonus. <laughs> I'm going two
0: one. I think it'll be tighter, but I do think Newcastle will win. I've got a feeling that uh, Brentford are going to score early, and I think the crowd need to get behind the lads. That, that's yeah. the key. Not to let that. Not to let a goal. You know, a goal going in against them. Get the crowd on a downer. It's important. The crowd have to play that part tomorrow. Uh, so I'm going two one, Mitch. I presume you haven't got the dice
2: there. I have.
0: Oh, you Ooh, have. That. Yeah,
2: it was. Him. Took me, took in a pocket of me bag. That's fair enough, and I. If if, if a penman comes in the more, I'll probably have to take him watch the again. I took him watch shopping this afternoon. <laughs> Good stuff.
0: What's the dice say then?
2: The dice says it is two one. Same oh, as
0: me, two one.
2: Two one, Then I'd take it. I'd just take any three points at the minute. Mm-hmm. I don't care how they come. Um, yes, we've got the potential to hammer them. And I think they, they have players in their back line who have got mistakes in them. Uh, I think it was, was, was Pinnock last time, scored an own goal and looked quite um, dangerous for his own team. Um, and so you know we'll play the way we can and apply ourselves the way we can and put the press on we know what we can do and it's just letting it happen now and just just, um, everybody being relaxed about it and not getting too uptight if we're not one look up after 10 minutes Uh, I think just go with the flow and let the game happen and I think we do the right thing and we'll get 3 points it's absolutely
0: yeah, Simple as that Great show tonight uh, Thanks to everybody In the chat uh, Don't forget Superman and Gibbo I've got a new home uh, Pre-match and post-match They will be at Louis Liquor Store It is free to get in uh, I think that is Down in the growth market uh, Good luck to the guys There you uh, be, uh, Down there Pre-match pints Down three to in September. So if you haven't met them or you want to meet them again, get yourself down to see Gibbo and Supermac at Louis Liquor Store at half past three and then they'll be there about 40 minutes after the game. Uh, but if you go and enjoy it, if you're watching on TV, make sure you shout a bit louder so the lads can hear you. Uh, Mitch <laughs> and Steve, unfortunately George couldn't be part of it they, due to the technical problems with his internet. Uh, but everybody in the chat and all the moderators, thanks for a great job that you do. I'm back at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, for a pre-match look ahead to the game with uh, Ben Jacobs. Uh, Looking forward to that. Take care, guys. Have a good weekend.
1: All the best. Have a good weekend.